Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So, all right, so today we're going to talk about Hosea. Hosea, very interesting book of the Bible. Hosea. You know, you got to hear from God if you're going to be Hosea. You know what I mean? That joker... I mean, he had to do some tough stuff, and I'm not going to give you the whole thing. You can read it this week. It's not a long book. But as we get into these these next prophets, we, we went through the major prophets. We went through the first four major prophets. Now we're going into the minor prophets. And again, just to be clear, this is not because they have less to say as far as impact. It's just they didn't preach as long. They were not as long-winded as some of the others. Like Isaiah, brother, went on for like years. You know, he's, he kept on preaching. His message was like, Come back tomorrow, we're going to go again. Isaiah was like, Jeremiah, same way, man. Ezekiel, brother, Ezekiel. You know, if, if Ezekiel hadn't been a Christian, you'd have thought it was like Pink Floyd tripping on something. Like, Ezekiel, I'm just being honest. I'm just being, y'all know, y'all thought the same thing. Don't look at me like, I can't believe you said that. You thought the same thing, a wheel and a wheel. It's like, man, the brother must have had some natural things going on. But it was the Lord, it was the Lord, it was the Lord. It was. We're going to the major prophets, now we're getting to the minor prophets. We're going to start with Hosea. These next 12 prophets, they're a lot smaller book, but we're going to bring some stuff out, okay? So God, let me tell you about this. So God is reaching out to anybody who will accept him. And Hosea, what Hosea teaches us when you read this is the loving compassion of our God for people. That regardless of where someone comes from or what they've been through, if they are willing to turn to him, he will accept them. And Hosea is told by God to go marry Gomer, interesting name. Uh, it has to be pronounced totally different because, I mean, not only does she have a di- little, you know, lifestyle there that he's probably thinking, really? And on top of her, her name's Gomer? I got to marry this girl and her name's Gomer. It, it's just kind of interesting. And then God tells him when he has kids, these three kids, yes, they all get names that are basically rejection names. They're awful. They mean things like God's left and rejected by God and all this stuff. It's like this family is so weird, you know? But it's God's way of describing and showing to Israel that he loves them. Even though they have rejected him, he will go as far as he can go to get them to come back to him. So then here's the question as we go through a couple of thoughts here. Why then, if Gomer was brought out of a lifestyle that was very much one of shame and guilt and and very harsh and abusive, if you will. Why then, if she's been brought out of that, why would she leave Hosea? I mean, Hosea has rescued her from some of the worst things to be on the street. Like He has rescued her, married her. She is now a part of family, has children. If she's been brought into this new home where it's beautiful and that's, that old life's gone, she's this new life, and, and, and by all right, Hosea's a great guy. Why then would she leave? It, it blows my mind when you read it. You go like, wait, wait a minute. She left after she'd been given everything? And if you look at this, the very interesting thing to me about this when we were talking about this today is she left, she leaves, and it represents Israel. And how many times God would rescue Israel from their despair, from their, their lostness, and deliver them only for them to do what? Leave again. It also represents, if you look at this, I think, 
Gomer also represents many times Christianity. Because I often wonder why, as a Christian myself, who came out of a difficult life, who came out of, in my opinion, I was burdened with sin. I felt so much guilt and shame. But when I came to Christ, and he removed all that from my life, I've not been the same since. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I got it all figured out. Does mean, though, I am going to dance with the one that brought me. You know what I mean? I don't understand how Christians step away from their relationship with Christ after all he has done for us. But it happens. And I asked a question when I was reading this. I kept asking, my, why? Why, if you've been brought out of something, into something great, would you leave that to go back into what you came out of? Why? And as I began to read this, it started hitting me. A couple of thoughts. And here's, here's the first one. It is number one, this is what happened to her. I, I can guarantee you about when you read it. Guarantee you. Number one, this is what happened to people. They don't feel accepted. Now, when I say that, you may think, what do you mean they don't feel accepted? Well, <clears throat> if you remember PE class, how many of you guys had PE in school, right? Physical education, right? I don't even know if they still do it anymore. PE, right? If you didn't have PE, you had recess. Now, when we had recess, this is how we did it. We, you know, we, but, you know, it was out there, it was kids, you know, it was probably like elementary school, whatever. And we had this big field at our, our school. And so we played kickball. Now, when we got out to play, you just run out the door, you, you, you know, left your school stuff, you run out the door, you run real fast, get out to the field, because you want to play kickball, right? And so when you get out there, they already got some guys that are ready to pick teams. And when you get ready to pick, you got this team and this team. And here's, you know, here's Joe on this side. And here, here's Sam on this side. And we're going to start picking teams. And what does Joe do? Joe says, all right, I, I, I'll, take, I'll take Fred. Then this guy over here says, all right, I'm going to take. Uh, oh, oh, you, you, kid with no name. Come on up here. Okay. They, and they start picking. And if you was ever picked in kickball, and you was picked down to the last two or three people. Like there's 15 over here and 15 over here. And now we're down to just the last two. And I always think it. I felt bad for the people who got picked last in kickball because you're watching going like, oh man, this stinks. Nobody wants you. Like either one. Like they, they really didn't want you. They're not, oh, okay, we'll take you. And then it's like the last one goes like, well, I guess we'll take that one. I mean, it's just, oh, it's awful. And, you know, and they never got to really kick. And they, if I'm bringing up any traumatized childhood for you and you're dealing with this right now, they're just, look, you're going to have to just hang on a minute. You know, if you were having pee and you were not accepted, it was just a terrible thing. Gomer, she was accepted. But when she's had to start hearing what Hosea had to say, she rejected this new way of life. Okay, that's fine. You can bring me into the house. But wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. I got to do what? I got to give up what? I got to change what? Hold on. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't sign up for all that. And it, look, let me just say this. In case, I know I can feel it right now. Some of y'all, like, I played kickball and I never got picked. Okay. Let's play, let me just, let me just, so you all feel better. That same group, if you remember this, that same group who didn't get picked, if they were in science class and it was time for group project, what happened then? All them super strong kickers and stuff, they was like, what they didn't get picked at first either, did they? No. Okay, I guess I'll take, you know, Sam over there. Because <laughs> why? Because they wanted a great grade on their science project. 
All the kickball team wanted was to win. That was it. But you know what happens is many times we don't like it when people make decisions that we don't agree with that affect us. And if we're not careful, when we don't feel accepted, we reject the very thing that we need to hear. Sometimes people listen and sometimes people don't. And much like Gomer, they leave the one that actually loves them. All because they don't feel accepted. I mean, maybe they just couldn't play kickball. It's why they didn't get picked. It's nothing personal. They just wanted to win a game. Maybe they didn't get picked for the science project to lead that group because, man, you just didn't know what H2O was. They just wanted to get a good grade. That was it. Watch this. One of the most famous verses that people know in Hosea is this. Hosea chapter 4. He says, my people, watch this, are destroyed for a lack of what? Sometimes people think they know things about God and they don't. It amazes me to hear when people talk sometimes. They don't know what they're talking about when it comes to God, but they're so bold and brash about it. And yet I'm listening going like, there's five scriptures right now I could tell you that, that go against everything you're saying. But they refuse to listen. Here's why. Because they didn't get picked in kickball. Somebody didn't pick them for a science project. So now because they didn't get picked for something over here, they haven't been accepted yet for what they're saying. They feel rejected and they won't listen to anybody else. They, 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 they feel like, well, I know this. Listen to what he says. He goes further. He says, because you have watched this rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priest. Notice the two things go together there. We like to think gifting, calling, and anointing are separate sometimes from knowledge. It's not true. If you want a deep relationship with God, it comes from knowledge with God. Not just to know a bunch of stuff about him, not to quote a bunch of scripture, not to quote, it's to know him. That is where the priesthood is in connection with the knowledge of God. And when we refuse to accept God's word, but we still want his presence, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. There's a lot of people today, they want God to bless. You hear them all the time. They'll get on, and, you know, I'm not picking, but they'll get on Congress. Say, oh, God bless this and God bless that. I want to say, hey, look. I don't know if you've looked at the laws that you're passing, but you want God's hand on that junk you're passing, and it's not in his word. You might need to stop asking God to bless it because he's not going to bless it. Why? Because it goes against his word. When you violate his word and then you say, God bless it, he's going, no, Uh -uh, I'm not going to do it. And Hosea is here. He brings Gomer into a new situation, and I can just hear it right now. Now listen, Gomer. Here's how this works. We're going to be married. You understand, girl? We're married now. You can't go hang out with the people you was hanging out before at the club. And it sounds real good at first until they have a little problem. Can't work out the issue. Gomer maybe feels like, well, I just, you know, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. Oh, he don't know what he's talking about. Because I'm so familiar with what I had before, I go back to that which I know. So watch this. They've been brought into something new, but because they can't accept the truth of God's word, I'm not going to stick with it. And when people feel like they are not accepted, watch this. The next thing happens is they become offended. You say, well, how are you getting this out of Hosea? Well, I'll show you in just a minute. 
They get offended at, at, at people. This is what Jesus says. He watches. He said, blessed, this is Matthew eleven six. He said, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus said some stuff that would make you offend, be offended. He did. He gave people plenty of opportunity. It wasn't that he meant to. It wasn't that he was trying to run people away. He was just saying, listen, this is my father's word, and this is what he says. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to pick up your what? Not a toothpick. Not a popsicle stick. Jesus never said it's going to be pick up the little pillow and go with me. No, he said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to pick up your cross and deny what? Yourself. If you want to follow me. If you don't, then enjoy the pillow because it's soft and comfortable. But if you're going to follow Christ, it's going to be a little tough. Sometimes the splinters are going to be in your back because other people aren't going to understand why you do what you do. Blessed are they who are not offended at me. And people, many times, they're confronted with the truth. They get offended. Well, I, you, I can't believe you would say that. Well, I didn't say it. It's in his word. And the problem is when you don't read the word, then you get offended at the man who preaches the word. But it's not the man who's preaching the word. It's God's word. And so, blessed are they who are not offended by me. Matthew 13. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 57. And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. And there he could do no mighty miracles because of what? Their unbelief. They were offended. Offended at what? At his word. It's amazing to me to watch. I can see it from a mile away sometimes. You can have a conversation with someone, and the moment you quote just one scripture they don't like, it's like their face changes. Amen. It, like, it goes from this, this like sweet little Christian to like Medusa. <laughs> I mean, crazy stuff. Like, and all of a sudden, they turn on you like, what happened to the sweet Christian? He was loving Jesus, and everybody was happy. All because a word was spoken. That they did not like and they became offended. And this is what happened to the people during the time when Hosea was speaking. Listen to Hosea chapter 8 and verse 2. He says, they cry out to me, my God, my God of Israel. Watch this. We know you. Israel has rejected the good and the enemy will pursue him. They have set up kings. Watch what God says. But not by me. They have appointed princes. But I didn't know it. With their silver and their gold, they have made idols for themselves, that they might be cut off. Verse 5, he says, He has rejected your calf, O Samaria, saying, My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For from Israel is even this. A craftsman made it, so it is not God. Surely the calf of Samaria will be broken into pieces. For they, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads, it yields no grain, and should it yield, strangers would swallow it up. It's a tough spot to be in a place where people think they know God, but they don't. He said, they set up princes, but I didn't know it. (laughs) It's hilarious, he said, I didn't know it. They set up kings, but it wasn't by me. Well, when you think about that in Hosea and what he's talking about, it's a very interesting 
verse of scripture here. And, and during this time, Israel is in Babylonian captivity as a nation. And when he talks about this very interesting word here, the Samaritans, who are these Samaritans and why this golden calf and what, what does all this mean? And I'm not going to get into this in a whole uh, lot of deep teaching with you. You can read, okay? But I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures, okay, and show you this. But in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 24, the king of Assyria brought me, and just have to write some of this down, the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutai and from Abba and from Hamath and Haseraphim and settled them in the cities of Samaria in place of the sons of Israel. So they possessed Samaria and they lived in its cities. And at the beginning of their living there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, watch this, the Lord sent lions which ate a bunch of them. You know, it only takes a few lions eating some people before you think I might be wrong. You know about something. Like, you know, couldn't you see it today? Like, somebody just going on about, oh, I tell you what, the, the Lord said this, and they just quote a bunch of stuff that's not true, and they think they know the Bible, they don't, they just tell them, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, a line, blah, 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 blah. What would happen? Man, that guy, he, he thought he knew God, but he didn't know God. He's making up crazy stuff. That's why the lion ate him? Yeah. Man, I'm not talking about God anymore. I'm going to leave that alone. Just a few line attacks, and people just changed. These guys... In Samaria, these are guys that were appointed by the Assyrians. They're now taking over the place where Israel, remember, many of them are gone into captivity. Not all, but they took most of Israel into Babylonian captivity, but they left many of them there. Especially the women, the children, some of the men. They left some of the armed forces there as well. They left the poor there to take care of the vineyards and the fruit and all the trees in Israel. Israel was not this desert, obsolete land. It was a very lush place. And so the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, he did not want to go in and just destroy everything. He looks around and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to take the people into captivity, but that's a lot of good stuff here. I'm going to leave all y'all. Y'all take care of this. We're going to kill you. Got it? So they got to take care of everything. They got all this stuff that's there. And while they're there, some of these guys are so brash, they think they know God. And, they, and all of a sudden, some lions start eating some people. Now they back up and say, well, what are we doing wrong? So they find some of the Jews that are there that know some stuff about God. And what they began to do is the Assyrians began to marry the Jews. And so now we have this, if you will, a mixed race of Jewish people. Assyrians have come together now. And what the many of, when you read the Bible, you see this. Why they had, the Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans is because Samaritans were mixed with the Assyrians and Jewish people. And they had, they thought, they thought in and of themselves, and they were right because of the culture. They, they were saying, well, you don't know God because you are mixed, even though they tried to teach the Samaritans. Because what, I mean, the, the Assyrians, because what happened was, even though the Assyrians married the Jews, now you've got this one culture that's afraid of God because lions have been eating people. So they married Jewish people that know some stuff about God. But now they intertwine the two religions and they bring idol, idol worship into a Jewish culture and they begin to make golden calves and et cetera that you see in the Bible. They begin to worship false things. They begin to say things like, well, God has given us this mountain. They set up a temple, if you will, on the place where Joshua built the altar. Remember the 12 stones when they crossed the Jordan River on the other side over there near the mountain? They set up those 12 stones. They built something there and said, well, this is where God gave us. This must be the place of the Lord. Because remember, Jerusalem has been destroyed. And any time that they looked at this and saw Jerusalem destroyed, they felt like, well, we must set up something somewhere else. So that's what they did. And I can't pronounce the word, but Mount Gerizim, if you will, it's about the closest way I can get to you. They set up this temple there. 
So the worship God. And remember now, they got a mixed idolatry worship of God and some of the Assyrian gods and calves and everything else. And all this is going on. When all of a sudden Ezra is being tasked later on, this is the history that's been going on for years. You're talking about multiple years. So after the exile, now we're talking about some time later. The Samaritans have been going on for a while. Here comes Ezra in being tasked rebuilding the temple. And watch what happens very carefully. Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people of the exile were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel. So this is in Jerusalem. They're approaching Zerubbabel in Jerusalem. These are Samaritans, right? Here they come. We heard y'all was building a temple again. And do the heads of the fathers of the houses, they said to them, watch this, let us build with you. Watch very carefully. For we, like you, seek your God. And we have been sacrificing to him since the days of Esharhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us up here. Who they've been sacrificing to? We don't know. They got some mixed up, confused, idolatry, mixed up religion. We don't even know what they are worshiping. It's been going on for years, even after the Babylonian exile. And they're going back to years. This has been going on centuries. It's been going on even. But Zerubbabel says, watch this. Now, watch very carefully what I'm about to show you, okay? Remember, they can't accept it. So they become offended at God's word. Watch what Zerubbabel says. Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's household of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God. But we ourselves will together build the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us. So what happened? The Samaritans felt rejected. What do you mean why can't we help build the temple? Because you're all mixed up in idolatry. Got this idolic worship going on with these calves and who knows what all else is going on over there. You, you built your own temple in a place where God never said to build. You did your own thing because you said you could do it. You set your own priest up. You set your own kings up. And God said, I don't know anything about that. And now they're mad because God is sending the Jews back to reestablish his temple. Watch this. They're rejected Now they are offended because they are confronted with God's word. And all of this history has been present for hundreds of years, hundreds of centuries. And the same opportunity to feel rejected or offended is present. And then all of a sudden, somebody shows up in this region. And in this region of Samaria, here comes someone who wants to address the culture that's there. And it's amazing how these people for hundreds of years, for centuries, are offended at the Jews. In so much so, you read this, the Jews and the Samaritans have nothing to do with each other. Even though the Samaritans are half Jewish, they have nothing. They have hatred for one another. They despise one another. But watch what happens in John chapter 4. Jesus shows up to the city of Samaria. And when he gets there to a region called Sychar or Shechem, near the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being tired from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, super hot, unlike today. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, 
And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Woman, from where? What is Jesus? Boy, this is going to get interesting. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, you got to understand something. When he said that, don't overlook what he's saying. When he says, give me a drink, he didn't say, hey, hon, would you mind getting me a drink? He said, give me a drink. Already, she has a moment to be offended. And watch how she talks. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, and listen to the attitude. Because it's present. I guarantee you it's present. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is to you talking right now, you would say, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she says, sir, attitude. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob. And are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself with his sons and his cattle? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Whatever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. And the water that I give him will become a well of water springing up into eternal life. And then the woman said to him, listen, don't listen to someone going like, oh, wow, give me, no, attitude. Sir, oh, by all means, give me this water so I will never be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw water again. You understand, Jews and some, they did not get along. This was not some woman sitting there going like, oh, thank you for talking to me about this. No, 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 no. She's like, okay, yeah, right on, Jew. Okay. Well, won't you just go ahead and give me some of this water then? Attitude is there. So Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I don't have a husband. This is where the script changes. So Jesus said to her, you've correctly said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. And then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a problem. Now all of a sudden, attitudes dropped. Wait a minute. How'd you know that? Watch what she says next. For centuries, remember what's going on. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Mount Gerizim. We've been doing this for centuries. Offense can go a long time. People can live with offenses for a, a long, they can pass it down to their kids, to their kids' kids, to three or four and five or six generations. Offenses can last a long time. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people (laughs) say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship on that mountain. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither this mountain that we are on here in Samaria, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Watch how easily she could have been offended more. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And then Jesus said, I am he who is speaking to you. And then watch what happens. You want to see how deep the offenses run? The disciples show up. And the disciples at this point come and they are amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. 
Yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak? Well, they ain't going to mess with Jesus. They're going to leave him alone. They're not going to mess with him. I don't know why he's talking to this Samaritan woman, but whatever. We just, they've learned by this point, leave him alone. They, even them, the disciples, didn't want to have anything to do with him. They didn't even want to go through Samaria. But Jesus cares so much about people. He refuses to allow people to live in their offenses. Even if they're in, idol, in the worship to idols, even if they're so deep in their sin, Jesus will meet them at whatever well they're at to cause them to take a moment and reflect and release those offenses. To the Samaritans who were here, they could have easily been offended. But watch what they do next in verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word the woman testified. He told me all the things that I've done. And so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with him. And he stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. Listen to me. Instead of being offended when we hear the word. Instead of trying to be like, man, well, I just don't agree with that. You, you know, you said this and you said that. I don't agree. Instead of being offended, we should look at it more like just taking direction. Direction from God's word. So many times, man, we hear God's word and we think, oh, man, I can't believe pastor would even say that. I can't believe someone would say that in my small group. I can't believe they would tell me that. And many times, listen, it is not to offend. It is not to reject you. It is not to say anything negative against you. It is simply to give some direction to a life. What if he allowed this woman to sit by the well in her sin, in her rejection, in her offense, and just bypass her because he was afraid if I say anything to her, she's liable to get more offended than she is now. He did it so that she could get some direction for her life and take a step forward in a way that would be blessing to her. To take some direction. And all of us at many times in our lives, we need direction, do we not? Of course we do. And today, man, as we wrap up, I want you to hear this. That sometimes, there, there are times when t- things come along that we need direction for, and we don't need to hate people because they're giving us direction. When people tell me a word, sometimes they give me something. Hey, Pastor Jody, I'll tell you something. Okay, sure. I mean, I was talking to one of my uh, pastor friends just last week. He asked me, how are things going? How's this going? Blah, 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 blah. You know, he, he's kind of a, a mentor of mine. And, and so I tell him X, Y, Z. And he says, well, uh, I want to talk to you about X. Well, I don't want to talk about X. Well, I want to talk to you about X. I think you'll be making a mistake there. Well, I don't want to hear you tell me I'm going to be making a mistake. I feel like I know what I'm doing. Who in this room feels like they would hear someone tell you you're making a mistake? Well, thank you very much. I feel great about myself. No. But you've got to be wise enough to realize that person cares about you. They don't want to leave you sitting at the well by yourself in your offenses. So therefore, they give you something called direction. And direction is given to you to help change our lives. So there's a wrap today in Hosea chapter 6. Listen to what he says. It's beautiful scripture. Hosea chapter 6, he says, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. Sometimes, isn't it true, like the word, it, oh, it hurts, doesn't it? Come, let's be honest right now. Sometimes when you hear the words from the Bible, does it not, is it not a little painful? Come on, be honest with me, little Christians. It hurts. Oh, it tears at that pride. It tears at that soul. It's just like, oh, I don't want to hear that today. 
but it tears and sometimes it, it hurts, but he will heal us if we'll submit to him. He's wounded us. Oh man, I hate sometimes the word. It just feels like it hurts so bad, but he will bandage us if we'll submit to him. Watch this. He will revive us after two days. He'll raise us up on the third day that we might live before him. So watch what he says. So let us know him. Let us press on to know the Lord. Listen, nobody's trying to discredit anybody. Direction is not a discredit to anybody. It is simply direction. That's why the word tells us so many different places today before we go. The way of the Lord, I know the way of the Lord in his righteous. It says many are the steps of the Lord. The Lord orders the steps of the righteous. It says this, man, when I'm following God, he gives me direction and pathways for my life. When Paul said this about knowing God, he said, man, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I just don't want to be laid up in my offenses. I want to know God. And if I'm going to know God, then sometimes I'm going to hear some stuff I don't want to hear. And I don't want to be like Gomer was with Hosea. When God brings me into his kingdom, and then he says, hey, now, Jody, I want to talk to you about this. I don't want to sit there and go, oh, man, I don't want to hear that. That's, I, we're not going to talk about that, okay? No, don't dare bring that up. Because that hurts. And if there's pain there, he wants to heal it. But don't be like a gomer and run away when God points at something or touches something that's painful. Let him heal it. Let him restore. Let him fill you with joy. And only that happens is us by not being offended at what, what we hear from his word. So today as we close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment, I want to pray for you. So for some of you in this room, maybe this is something you're dealing with. Maybe those of you are online as well. You're here today and there's some things in your life that maybe, maybe some people have offended you. Here's the tricky thing about offenses. Offenses can happen to anybody. When people offend you, if we're not careful, we point our finger at them and say, well, it's their fault. The problem with that is they're not the one that's suffering. If you're offended or hurt at someone, you're the one that is actually stuck in the cage. So right now, if you're here in this room, you say, hey, Pastor Jody, I don't like to admit this, and I don't want anybody to really know this, but I've got offenses in my life. Man, somebody said something to me, it hurt, and I am having a difficult time letting it go. So whether you're watching online or in this room right now, I'm going to pray for you. And I already know there's people in this room. You don't even have to raise your hand. I know. I know. The Holy Spirit, I I know. I can tell by the Holy Spirit the prompting right here. But if that's you, just right where you are, I'm going to pray for you. And just in a sign of surrender, won't you just take your hands and just... You don't have to lift them up high. Just right where you're sitting, just turn them with your palms facing upward towards the Lord. Just as an open heart. Sometimes we do this. Just It just symbolizes, hey, God, I'm open. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this room and everyone watching online. Lord, that offenses have knocked on their door. They've been present too long. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us release today those offenses and those hurts. Someone said something. Someone did something. Someone betrayed someone. Somewhere, somehow, some way. In Jesus' name, we pray today that you would take those offenses. We release those things today and we give them to you. And we say, Lord, vengeance is yours. 
It is not ours. We're not going to hold it over their head. We're not going to hang it over them in shame. We're going to release that person or those people or those individuals. We're going to give them to you today in the name of Jesus. And I pray today for anybody that's here, Lord, that they don't know you. I pray today that they would come to you. As we're here, I want to pray a prayer for you. If you're watching online or in this room, you don't know Christ, we're going to pray a prayer together. The whole church is going to pray right now. And as we do, you don't know Jesus, but you need to make him your Lord and your Savior. You pray this prayer with us right now. We're going to pray together. Say, dear Jesus, we come to you today and give you our lives. We ask you, Lord, to save us and to redeem us. We ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We make you our Lord in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Give me a hand, would you? <clears throat> so proud of you. If you're watching online, you're in this room as well. If, if you need help getting started walking with Christ, uh, simply type in this in your browser, connect.cornerstonerealm.com, and fill out that little form right there. We'll get to you as quick as we can and help you get started walking with Christ. Man, so, so proud of you for making that decision. And also, I'm so proud of those of you who let go of offenses today. Please, please. Don't pick them back up again. Just leave them in here. We'll clean them all up when you leave, okay? Just just leave all your offenses under your chair. We'll clean all that mess up. Don't take it with you. We'll take care of it all, okay? Before you go, let me speak this blessing on you. Let me just stand to your feet right now before you leave. I want to speak this over you before you go. Remember, if you see someone in uniform or you have family members today, be sure to tell them thank you. You know, don't wait till they're gone before you thank them. Thank them today. And uh, <clears throat> on your way out, don't forget to get a ticket. Walk next door. And, I'm going to ask you to do something for me, okay, before I speak this blessing on me. Anytime we do this, typically this is what happens, okay? Like 50, 60% of you guys just leave. Like that's what happens. Y'all just go to and I got to go somewhere. I know. You take five minutes, please. Five minutes is all it's going to take. Please go next door and just walk through the kids' facility and just see it so you can see it and, 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 and post pictures on social media, do whatever. But please just don't leave. Take five minutes. Walk over there. The corn's free. The snow cones are free. Enjoy yourself. Take five minutes and walk through so you can see what uh, the team has done. Okay, I really encourage you to do that. Can y'all do that for me? If I see y'all leaving y'all's car, I'm going to chase you down and be like, where are you going? Take five minutes to do it for me. All right, before you go, let me speak this over you. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you so much. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.